Hi, welcome to our latest Culture Hacker podcast. My name is Shane Green. I'm your host today, and I'm very, very excited. I am uh, reaching out to one of my friends, uh, one of our neighbors up in North Ontario, Canada. I've got Todd Kassenberg uh, talking to us today. He's the principal of Guiding Star Communications and also a website called culturedigs.com. Now, culturedigs.com is an online platform that helps teams, groups, companies understand their culture and what is most important to them. Specifically, they really focus in on the values that help define the behaviors of that group of people. Todd, great to have you on the podcast. Welcome, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you, Shane. Um, excited to be with you. Uh, it's been a great summer so far. All right. Well, fantastic. Listen, let's jump right in. We've got so much to talk about. I know you've got lots of research, lots of thoughts. So let's start with this idea of culture. Culture Digs um, really uh, explores what this idea of culture is all about. So based on all these projects, research, what's your definition of culture and why is it becoming such the hot topic today? Well, I think that culture really, at its essence, is what people value. What people value within an organization, how they treat each other within the organization, all of that sort of wrapped up into this concept of culture. Um, I also think that it's wrapped up in the concept of brand. And to some degree, culture and brand are indistinguishable from each other. At the heart of, of culture, from my take, is um, a real sense of values, what's important to you. And uh, the challenge, of course, in our landscape today is that values are uh, often um, defined as words that stand on a chart that's posted in offices in various locations in an organization, but um, really haven't captured um, that, that sort of underlay uh, that is truly happening about what people in the organization value and how they treat each other. So, um, you know, a big part of my work over the last four or five years has been to uh, help organizations dig deeper, go beyond sort of the statements of mission and vision and all that kind of stuff that um, is elegant but doesn't actually capture um, what uh, values are and what the culture of the organization is. You asked why is all of this important, and um, you know there are certainly some studies. Uh, one which I've written about, which I think is a really fascinating study in the IT sector, which um, looks at at values and looks at culture, and does determine that some cultures in within organizations um, are better than others in terms of uh, performance on a number of metrics, um, not the least of which is employee satisfaction and loyalty, but perhaps more importantly, the bottom line. Wow, you, you, you've pretty much nailed on, on so many of my favorite topics right off the bat. First of all, I love it. Culture and brand, they are so aligned. And I think this is the one thing that companies have to understand. And again, Tony Shea uh, from Zappos is uh, you know based here in Las Vegas uh, with us here. He said it really well. That brand is the lagging indicator of culture, which means the state of your culture is influencing behaviors. Behaviors of your employees are influencing reputation. And of course, in today's very transparent and social media world, that reputation becomes your brand. So I am right on top of that with you. And I think that really leads to why this idea of culture is so important. And then I just love how this sort of idea of values, you know, you brought it came across. It's so critical. Companies have to understand that values are not some sort of uh, philosophical BS that sits uh, sort of on a wall or on a piece of paper. They have to really come 
come alive in an organization. And you're seeing today so many companies that while they say that they have these sort of values, they really ignore them. And as a result, whether it's managers, employees, they're making bad decisions. Go back to VW and their emissions scandals. Wells Fargo, uh, you know, creating fake bank accounts, United dragging off a, a passenger, um, or even our friends Uber, um, again, recently with all the problems that they've had. When those values aren't real, or at least appropriate, companies find themselves in trouble. And I think that's why we, you know, we, we've really got to pay attention to that today. So let's, let's kind of talk values more. Um, you know, you, you do a lot of research, you collect a lot of information. What have you learned over the last few years about the importance of values to that employee and to the success of that organization? You said bottom line. How is that impacting? Well, I think, you know, there's, there's a number of layers uh, at which we can approach that question. Um, you know, first we have to come to a standard or a definition of what values actually are. And um, that actually is trickier than uh, one would believe. Uh, certainly, when I first embarked in this realm of supporting and uh, helping organizations deal with culture questions and, and deal with performance issues, um, some of the, the, the thoughts um, focused on, on values that were sort of transient almost, and, and that certainly has uh, raised concern for me over my uh, professional practice. I, I think that values are sort of guiding principles that are timeless, you know, they, they are um, de determined, they're sort of views of the world, they are determined um, how you treat other people, uh, they're used to make tough organi organizational decisions, and um, certainly values seem to underlie alignment. And uh, that is what is so critical in the modern organization that's trying to get work done and trying to contribute to a healthy bottom line and at the same time be a positive place where people are, are happy to be there. I think, um, you know, when we, when we look in the context of that, um, the, the data is pretty stark. When you look at things like employee engagement and you see that uh, just over 30%, according to some surveys uh, of employees, are engaged, um, that speaks volumes because that means the rest are not. That means the rest are either um, subtly not, they're, they're asleep at, at their desk, as one of my colleagues likes to say, or they're actively not, in which case they're trying to sabotage the organization. And all of that um, doesn't contribute to progress. It doesn't contribute to um, lifting humanity to you know, greater good and to more effectiveness and to creating a happier workplace. And I think that that's a really significant part of um, this. So when I look at this, when I think about values, um, I come across sort of that differentiation between values, which are timeless and which are a lens, which are used over and over again in every decision and every uh, choice that an organization makes, and vibes, which are somewhat more transient and which sort of come and go, often depending on the nature of the people who are hired or who leave and, and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, really our focus is to sort of get down to the values and um, and you know, the, the challenge in organizations, I think, even even with recruiting these days, is to find people who can align because their values are supportive of that and are a good fit for the organization.
You know, you're, you're right on. And I think you're seeing particularly uh, younger people coming to the workplace. They're really interviewing organizations on what that organization's values are and making some decisions about whether or not this is the right fit for them. So I think we're, we're on to something. So, you know, as the listeners sit out there, they go, okay, we, 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 we know what our values are. Or at least we, we believe we've got some pretty timeless um, values sort of in place. Why then, and again, many organizations might say they have that as well, why are these values sort of not, not being as effective as they could be? And maybe from your experience, how does an organization bring values to life so they truly are a, a, a true part of the DNA and fabric of their company? Well, I think that there's a lot of, of self-deception that happens uh, out there in the corporate world, the organizational world, um, because I think, as I said, you know, exercises have been done um, perhaps in alignment or in association with uh, mission and vision quests that create lists, as we've talked about, uh, Shane, of values that um, sound nice and, you know, they, they show up on posters that are around the place, um, but that people don't actually um, understand, don't relate to, or are actively opposed to in their work. Um, and I think that, you know, that the first effort then uh, in an organization that, that is earnestly seeking to understand and build a culture that is supportive and, and that will lead to results, a results-oriented culture, is uh, to evaluate again and not just make it an academic exercise or an exercise that has a few bodies from the highest levels of the organization who rarely come down from the ivory tower. That was sort of the whole premise behind um, establishing Culture Digs as a platform, is that um, understanding culture and value should be a democratic process to some degree, that um, we want the input from everybody and we want the contributions from everybody to understand. And what has been so startling, I suppose, about that work is that um, there is a lot of um, heterogeneity, a lot of difference in how people are perceiving uh, the culture in their organizations. And it's no mystery uh, when you can't come to some sort of easy consensus just in evaluating what you have that um, you, you don't have a strong consensus for action or a strong basis for moving forward within the organization. So I think analysis is a big first part. Um, it's the part that, that um, I think is underrepresented in organizations uh, to date. I think the other big part is, is, you know, to bring it alive, you have to talk about it. So um, it's important that groups uh, establish respectful dialogue about culture, about about what they aspire to be, um, and uh, look towards those respectful dialogues uh, surfacing and, and building areas and, and interests and ideas that can be pursued as noble projects within an organization. I think, you know, and, and it'll be interesting for us to talk about this, um, a lot of emphasis and even our survey data um, that we've done in the public domain suggests that most people believe, accept, uh, are proponents of the notion that leaders in the organization are the the primary shapers and drivers of culture, but I'm not 100% sold on that view. I, I think that we all bring 
uh, elements uh, to the culture that we uh, join, that we all um, can make a difference in that. And that's why I'm a big advocate of having those conversations, uh, respectful dialogue, um, and, and using methodologies like hacking uh, to find better ways and, and, and to reinforce values that are sought and that can be the basis of consensus within an organization. You know, and again, a number of points there that I want to sort of jump back into because I think, you know, you're right on here. So the, f the first thing I think that's so important is that people cannot think, you know, culture is reflective. For me, it's the collective mindset of everybody in the group, which means, you know what, if you're sitting there and going today, I wonder what our culture, or I wonder if we have a culture. I always laugh and I go, the question is not, do you have a culture? It is do you have a culture that your employees love and your customers um, get really excited about? Because I think that's really at the heart of it. It is the collective mindset of everybody that is today. And therefore, everybody is contributing to that mindset. And I, I think you're right on. It's not just about the manager or the leader, um, though they certainly have a lot of influence on how someone feels when they come to work every day. But I think it, that, that's that thinking that, you know, it comes from a office like HR or from the manager that it's a singular sort of uh, result uh, or from a, an outcome from a singular source, I think is completely wrong. It is everybody has a part in defining that culture. So I really love that point. And then when you go into the sort of this idea of values, one of the things that you sort of jumped up, what I see happening in a lot of companies is that the values are being created by the marketing group. And the marketing people come up with these really cool, hip kind of words, and it's kind of cool, kind of sexy, um, and you know, it doesn't have a lot of meat to it. Uh, you, sometimes you don't even understand exactly what it is those values are, but they make it look cool. They put them on really cool posters, and they go, great, we've got values. And, and I speak to so many marketing groups, and I go, you know what? What you have in terms of brand values isn't necessarily the heart and soul of your company, which is your employee value proposition or what your employees think it is. And I think too many companies are relying on the marketing team to come up with their values and go, hey, we got values. Yet, as you alluded to and what I believe in, the values come from the heart. They come from within. They come from your people. And I think what you're doing at Culture Digs is so cool is that you're really tapping in and getting that information about what this group truly believes is the driving force of behaviors and outcomes in the company. And I think that's a really, really powerful piece that, that our audience needs to understand is that this values thing isn't marketing speak. It needs to have something much more behind it. So if I sort of say to you, okay, we've, we've got these values. So, so again, keep sort of taking us down the path. What do I do with these to bring it to life on a daily basis? What can the manager do with it? You know, as you indicated, these values permeate so much of the decision-making process. Where should I see these values turning up? We talked about recruitment. So they should turn up, I assume, in the interview process. Where else should I see it? If I'm an employee, where should I see my values at work or the company values at work? That is a great question. And it's a great question because I think um, values touch every part of the continuum of an organization's work and uh, significantly impact such things as employee engagement and productivity and you name it, you know, having the kind of workplace that we all really want to work at um, is driven by uh, how pervasive and effective 
those values are expressed and when I say expressed, not just on that poster on the wall, but expressed in daily choices, in daily action, in daily behavior, right? So uh, for me, you know, when I think about this, um, I think, you know, one of the things that we often sort of focus on, obviously, uh, beyond that notion that culture is something that we collectively create within an organization, is what can leaders do and what should leaders be like? And um, I think that that's sort of a significant set of questions that um, there probably isn't inherently a perfect answer for, but there are a number of answers um, that, that need to be considered both locally within the organization and, um, and, and sort of globally. What, what does the global literature, what does the global experience, what, does, what, what can we learn from um, you know, research and, and more that's been done towards that end? Um, I think, you know, when you look at um, the issues of uh, employee engagement as a specific sort of dimension or allied dimension associated with culture, uh, we see a lot of problems with leadership. There's no doubt about that. And, um, you know, it, it's, I think the, the problems and, and the millennials are really expressing this and helping us to wake up to this uh, in the choices that they're making in their work it is very much about having a place where you feel like you're making a difference in the world. And if your leadership in, within an organization is not seizing to some degree on that premise as part of its culture, as part of its engagement uh, cloud, if you will, then there's bound to be problems. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty important that uh, leaders emulate and mentor and get past the, the characteristics that, that we're all so used to. I mean, I'm sure, Shane, at some point you've worked for someone who, um, and I certainly have, who really didn't know what I did, really didn't care what I did, and really didn't care what I thought. And those three um, characteristics of, of bad leaders and managers um, are absolute toxin to a cultural environment, uh, regardless of what whether you you know opt for a certain value set A or value set B. Um, you know, in the absence of leaders that have that sort of know what you do, care what you do, care what you think, uh, you're in big trouble. Yep. No, and you just say, and you're right on. I mean, and I think I go back to that's where managers can have such a big influence on how someone feels or this collective mindset or culture that that resonates in the workplace. So, you know, if you take values, and I think one of the most annoying elements that I look for is that when you have company values, but you can tell that your manager doesn't buy into them. They don't believe in yeah. them. You know, they get up in front and say, you know what, listen to what I say, but don't, you know, do what I do. So I see so many companies falling into trouble because staff and their, their employee base, they're not stupid. And they can see and they can tell that their managers don't buy into it. You know, I think at the end of the day, I think studies say only 7% of the words uh, coming out of your mouth actually communicates. It's body language, it's tone, it's your actions and behaviors. And managers are missing this. They seem to think that these values are only focused in on the employees and that they don't have this really important responsibility to actually live and breathe them. And when you don't have managers living and breathing them, there is no point in having values. They truly do become some philosophical BS and that's when companies run into trouble. 
I, I, I totally agree. And in one of my engagements, uh, you know, uh, I, I have a couple of reflections on this point that I think are quite interesting. Um, I worked for an organization quite early in my professional life that um, put mission and values first in a, a novel way, um, and, and yet it was so simple. What they did is at, at, on every meeting agenda that was held when people came together, on the top of the agenda was a statement of the mission and the values of the organization so that you couldn't escape the fact that even when you're meeting with your peers, um, we have purposes and we have values that we insist are considered in the context of decision-making. I thought that was a powerful early lesson in my career um, and something that I've advocated to many others. I think the, the, one of the more interesting uh, consulting gigs that I had uh, was with a large um, hospital in Ontario based in Toronto, and um, they were struggling from the change of leadership that was forced upon them by the hospital. And uh, the new leader, the incoming leader, very different uh, character than the predecessor, much more egalitarian, the stripes didn't show too much. And there was sort of this sense of indecision within the group that uh, needed to be addressed. And part of what we did in talking about culture in those respective dis respectful discussions um, is we, we encouraged everyone to create their own personal leadership charter and to work together to create the charter for their leader in the organization. And that was a powerful experience that, um, you know, in the course of, of a day with that team, uh, things get rolling. But what was so interesting is the follow-up, which was completely, uh, essentially unsolicited. But, you know, every two or three months I'd hear back from people within that organization indicating the progress they had made and indicating how they felt directionally about that progress and how things were changing and, um, and, and for the good. And I think that that's a sort of a powerful message that, that needs to be sort of carried forward as well, is that there are some actual practical, tactical things that people can do um, to address cultural deficits or gaps uh, within their organization, uh, to address issues of leadership uh, problems or challenges or issues uh, within their organization that, you know, go well, well, like they're, they're, they're well beyond the, oh, let's performance manage this person, or mm -hmm. let's terminate this person. They're focused on how do we get the best out of every individual. And, um, and you know, I think that's part of the sort of core success values. I, I've, uh, I want to sort of throw this in here. I'm quite convinced, and, and it makes for a lovely acronym too, that the real heart of culture is what I call GIVE, G-I-V-E. It's growth. Employees want to know that their organization is growing and that they have growth paths. It's innovation. They want to know that their job isn't going to end tomorrow because we're thinking like we did in 1950. It's visibility that every individual is seen and heard and respected and has the chance to shine. And it's energy, and, and that energy has to bubble within the organization to make things uh, uh, happen. It has to translate to action, and it has to, to, to just 
feel right for people. And when you have those sort of four key parameters, um, and and that those parameters underlay all kinds of other values, um, those all the other value systems can sit on top of that. But when you have that sort of give within an organization, uh, you have a, a solid framework for moving forward. I love it. I mean, you're talking about career development. You're talking about job security, visibility. I, I always talk about, you know, every employee wants to be respected. And I look at the Latin definition, which is, you know, uh, I see you, you know, so that visibility that managers are actually seeing all the great things that their employees do. I think managers often spend too much time looking at all the things that their employees do wrong and not enough time at all the great things they do, uh, the little things any day. And then bringing that, and I often say that managers, in some ways they have to be that cheerleader. They have to be that um, sort of uh, sort of the energy that brings. They don't have to, and this is where I think it's changing, they don't have to know it all, they don't have to do it all, but they have to support it all. And they have to bring that level of support and understanding and excitement because I, I listen, I, I believe that if a manager is passionate and loves what they do, that really does make them attractive and makes them that puts them in a position to inspire others. Because let's face it, we like being around people that have energy. So you know what I love? I, I love that. And I think there's some real important and simple dynamics there for organizations to think about is, you know, are you having career development conversations? Are you talking? and aligning individual goals and performance to the overall state of the company. You know, are you getting out of your office and really seeing all the good things that are happening and recognizing and thanking? And then, as I said, are you, are you promoting that energy and bringing that in your communication? So, you know, some really cool pieces. I, I got to ask you, though, one of the things that I find, you know, that's interesting is I look at a lot of management, um, you know, incentives, bonus plans and all that and management uh, performance appraisals. And what I don't see in there, and I think this is a big problem, there's nothing that says that they are responsible to be the voice of values. They don't have a responsibility in culture. I think companies, you know, it's like everything. We, you know, if we're incentivized or we're directed or rewarded or we're held accountable on something, we make it a priority. I think companies are missing out because they're not directing their managers to have this responsibility for culture to really bring values to life. And because it's not a priority, therefore it's not a focus. And we certainly see that in our work in a lot of places. And I think that's where companies need to start thinking about, wait up, do I include within the, a manager's performance plan an expectation that they not only drive culture, but I think even more interesting, that they're also a big, big part of bringing values to life? Absolutely. I, you know, I think that um, uh, you know, we've gone through a period where uh, too much of performance measurement has been um, uh, numbers and dollars and cents, and you know, there's, we've sort of gone through that phase. I think um, as a society, and and in some ways, I'm I'm kind of encouraged, although I have my uh, reservations, as as no doubt most would, um, by the the sort of changing trends around uh, performance management uh, and performance appraisal. That said, um, I, I think that you're quite right, that when we look at the objectives, when we look at the roles, more importantly, that, that management and leaders within the organization should play, uh, we need to, to appropriately hire and reward the kinds of behaviors that drive the brand, that drive the culture, that drive the, the kind of place 
the creation of the kind of place where people want to work and where people are willing to give more than just their hands and their backs, right? The old Covey analogy, what you really want is their minds and their hearts. And, um, and too much is transactional in that kind of manager-employee relationship. And some of it is, is, you know, we have to look at it and say, well, some of it might be just poor selection processes and some of it's, you know, they throw managers, new managers especially, at the fire without a whole lot of sort of uh, orientation, encouragement, training, uh, coaching, mentoring for them. Um, and so how can they emulate that when their own systems and structures don't help them with their own personal development, right? No, listen, you're, you're right on. So give us a piece of advice out there to our listeners and that, all right, if, I'm, if, if, if there's a company out there that they know their managers, what, what can they do with their managers to help the managers become much more responsive and responsible for the culture that's going on in the organization today? I would say that, that, you know, I mean, there's a couple things you can do, but I, I, uh, my sort of primary recommendation is, is sit managers together and get them talking about the characteristics of great management, um, of, of great leadership. And sometimes it takes uh, moving from the practical day-to-day into the sort of realm of, well, what worked for me? What did I value when I was being managed or led? Um, I think, you know, when you think about uh, that, that can evolve, for example, the same concept I talked about already, which is sort of that personal leadership charter and and sort of moving forward an agenda where you define the kind of leadership behaviors that you want and that because you want them, you will manifest them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm quite convinced that, you know, when you look at the, the sort of nature of today's leaders, we're talking about an environment where leaders must be agile. And um, that agility has to extend not just through technical competencies. In fact, in many cases, it doesn't really matter if the manager knows how to do something better than everybody else on his or her team. What's really important is can they inspire? Can they create that energy? Are they joyful in their work? And can they communicate and transmit that to others? Do they really care about the people who are on their team? And, you know, sometimes people respond to that kind of advice, Shane, with, oh, isn't that nice and fluffy? But it's real. And um, in the absence of, you know, taking steps that encourage that kind of of hire, that kind of performance, um, you're going to continue to struggle. But, you know, I think, you know, to kind of wrap that, 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 that point is out there. We're talking to a lot of companies and, of course, you know, they promote managers because they're the best at a certain task. And what we find right. is that they're probably some of the worst potentially at dealing with people. And leadership is about people. Management is about doing the task. And while in a perfect world we would find that manager and leader in one person, the reality is today with as we get more and more technical, it may be in two people. And I think there's an interesting challenge for companies of the future in that they have to kind of almost have these two individuals working side by side, one driving the business and ensuring it works every day, but also then that role of who is inspiring and leading the people. And I think this really comes back to the heart of HR, human resources role in companies of the future, is that they really have to ensure that they are a big part of that inspiration and that they're setting up a system and a process and a mechanism to ensure that leadership is present 
in departments, groups, teams, and companies, even if it means sometimes doubling up with the managers that are keeping our business going. So listen, some, some very, very cool ideas and thoughts. Listen, Todd, thank you so much for uh, you know chatting today. Some awesome, awesome stuff. Hey, if our listeners want to get hold of you to talk and chat, where can they find you uh, online or in person? Great question. So I can be reached uh, through the culturedigs.com website. The uh, contact form at that site will uh, ping me right away, and uh, I'd be happy to uh, follow up with uh, web-based or telephone conversations, um, further email information. Uh, you know, lots, lots on offer and lots of ways to reach me. So I uh, would be delighted to hear from your, your listeners, our listeners today. Yeah, no, listen, and again, don't put it off. Even though he's uh, north of the border there, ladies and gentlemen, up there in Canada, please, please reach out. Uh, Todd has just got from the research that I've done and the insights, some fascinating conversations. Listen, Todd, thank you so much for joining us today. Great conversation. Let's uh, let's do it again in the future. Um, and uh, as I said, keep uh, fighting a good fight out there and getting culture and keeping it front and center. So thanks for joining. Thanks, Shane, very much. All right, everybody. Again, we got Todd Kassenberg. You can find him, please, at culturedigs.com. Uh, check him out. Some great information. And remember, if you love what you're listening to here at Culture Hacker uh, uh, Podcast, also check out the book uh, Culture Hacker. It is out there, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, all over the place. Thanks so much for listening in. We look forward to talking to you next time. Check us out at Culture Hacker. Have a good one, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.